Well, hi again, everyone. I'm Mark Renee. This is Play by Play with me. And well, the play by play ordinarily is provided by our guests. I am the me. Should be self-explanatory by now. And I keep saying that, but maybe it's not self-explanatory. Of course, it should be. Anyhow, we welcome you to Volume 1, Episode 16. And my guest today is a colleague from 1010 Wins Radio in New York City, a fellow baseball broadcaster as well. He for the Long Island Ducks of the Atlantic League. And uh, I think we're going to have very many interesting things to talk about over the course of this discussion. David Weiss joining us from Long Island today. Hello, sir. How are you and how have you been uh, coping with all of this Michigas? <laughs> I'm coping pretty well. You know what a big fan I am of you, Mr. Erne, and the fact that I am a guest on a show that I have listened to each and every time you have offered a new episode. The fact I'm a guest means you must be running out of guests. There's right. no doubt about that. And the fact that Chris King and Spencer Ross, two very good friends, preceded me I'm going to treat them as my opening act. I'm the headliner. How's that? There you go. That's fine. I called you out in the Chris King episode. I, I, I did not intentionally neglect you uh, back in the Spencer Ross days. That was, I believe, my second, uh, my second swing at this. And here we are now at uh, number 16. So welcome, finally. Um, wow, we've got a lot to cover. How have you been dealing with uh, the change in your usual routine? Well, it's uh, been frustrating in that I'm not one of those who is broadcasting by remote from home uh, for 1010 wins. It's something I'm, I'm unable to do. I have the equipment, but just my home situation won't allow for that. Uh, I do a great many other things, one of which is stand-up comedy. That, of course, was torpedoed by this virus. You know, one of the things that has been put on hold indefinitely, and that's something I really enjoyed and I've been at now for about three years or so. I'm editor of a golfing publication here on Long Island. That continues, despite the fact that golf was interrupted, but has, is getting back at least uh, to what it was in a limited way. And uh, what else am I doing? Uh, you know, just a lot of family things here at home. I have a daughter who is a, an award-winning journalist for Newsday. She's working from home. My older daughter, who has special needs, I'm primarily spending a lot of time with her, and she is uh, adapting to this uh, ruptured structure very, very well. And my wife's a school administrator, so she was working from home until recently. Now she's back at school preparing for summer school for the students. So there's a lot happening in my house, but you know, I'm the one who's doing a lot of things at home, and I wish I was doing a lot more. Long Island Ducks, of course, are on hold along with baseball. So with, as the major leagues get ready to return, the Ducks are still formulating plans to come up with some kind of shortened season, and I can't wait to get back to the broadcast booth. But Everything is uh, till further notice, as you know. All right. I want to talk about the baseball situation in just a sec. I do want to make sure that I single out to your tremendous credit that you have uh, revitalized the Kimmy Weiss Library Tour recently. <laughs> yeah. I want you to tell people about this because I, I get such a tremendous kick out of seeing her continue to keep chugging along. And the fact that she is such a huge fan of reading and books and libraries, and you have helped to foster this um, this love of hers, it it really is uh, very heartwarming. So I want you to share it with uh, with our listeners, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, it, it, dating back to um, ooh, around 2005, my father, who was living in Fort Lee, New Jersey, 
uh, had a stroke and he was in failing health for about nine years. Every single weekend I visited him and during the week as well, but every weekend I was with him for a period of about nine years. He passed away in 2014. Uh, and when that happened, um, you know, Kimmy and I decided to start doing things together every single weekend. And that's how we started this library tour. She is on the autism spectrum. She's high in the spectrum. She's extremely verbal, very, very smart, photographic memory, uh, just reads and reads and loves to sing and uh, CDs and DVDs, but especially books. And we decided to do something in Suffolk County. There's a cooperative system where every library is connected in a sense. So we decided to try to hit every single library on each Saturday. And we've hit just about every single one over the years. Uh, some, of course, we repeat. We have our local libraries and then we go as far as the East End or to uh, the Western End of Suffolk County. And we, we've had a ball with it. And uh, I put the photos and our adventures up on Facebook. She's got hundreds of fans and people following along it, which makes her feel, uh, you know, 10 feet tall. She just loves it. And, uh, you know, she's, uh, she and my wife and my other daughter, all my loves of my life. But Kimmy is really something special, inspirational yeah. in every sense. And I can be objective when I look at her. I know she's my daughter, but she is a hero. She really is. Absolutely. What's her favorite book? Uh, she loves lots of different authors. I mean, uh, you know, classic books, uh, new books. Uh, Debbie McComber is a favorite author of hers. Uh, let's see, there are many others. I mean, she likes Danielle Steele books. I mean, those are romances. Uh, and she likes a lot of teen books. So it's, um, I mean, she runs the gamut. I mean, in terms of her musical tastes, it's ridiculous. She loves today's music. She loves, you know, Lady Gaga and she, you know, loves Taylor Swift and you know, everything you're gonna hear right now. She's a big fan and she's, again, 27 years old. She loves Patty Page. She loves Dinah Shore. She <laughs> loves Rosemary Clooney, for goodness wow. sake. How about I mean, that? How many 27 year olds, uh, you know, go out of their way to a library to look for Rosemary Clooney CDs? Really does put her, again, in a class all by herself. What's her favorite library? Uh, it's probably South Huntington Library. That's a great library that has a separate section down on the lower level for teen books. But our home libraries are great too. Connect Quad Library in Bohemia, Sayville Library. Those are our two home libraries. And we've been all over the place. We've been as far east as Southampton, East Hampton Libraries. We haven't made it to Montauk yet, but uh, hopefully we'll get there soon uh, when things return to normal. And we've been to Cold Spring Harbor Library, which sits atop a lake. It's a beautiful library in Western Suffolk County. So we've been all over the place. We went recently, just uh, yesterday, to Lindenhurst to pick up a couple of books that were on hold. There are safety protocols in place. There isn't a library in Suffolk that allows you to go inside at this point, but a few, including our local library and just a handful, allow you to put, put books on hold and then pick them up. They'll come at you call when you're in the parking lot. They come out with a bag and... Uh, they're wearing a mask, you put them in your trunk and you leave. So we're, we're at least continuing with the library tour along those lines. And uh, the emergence, the different phases continue to evolve in New York and New Jersey. And hopefully we will be back to quote unquote normal sooner than later. Um, real quick again, before we turn to baseball, because I think we can fill a lot of time talking about your ducks, my boulders and perhaps uh, a rivalry brewing this season. It's a little tease for the listeners. Um, your comedy career was beginning to take off and it got a little bit derailed by this. Have you been able to do any uh, 
any virtual appearances? Yeah, I've done a couple of Zoom comedy shows, one for about 100 uh, mental health workers on Long Island, all of whom tuned in, and uh, I did about 15 or 20 minutes of comedy for, for that show. I've done a few other shows for organizations, and uh, it, the least I can do for the heroes who have continued to work, whether for our physical or emotional well-being. And it's a lot different doing a, a show on Zoom as it would be in person, but I'm still having a great time. Doing right, it, I want, I know, want even if I'm staring into a, a camera instead of uh, being on stage. I would very much like for you to please share with us your cleanest favorite joke. Oh my goodness! Oh man, uh, <laughs> I, I guess you know when I start out and introduce myself to the audience, the person introducing me never says I work for Ten Ten Wins. I'd like to do that myself. So I said I happen to work for Ten Ten Wins. I'm one of the news anchors over there, and then people there's usually some oohs and ahs because everybody listens to Ten Ten Wins or at least is aware of it. I said, would you uh, like to hear the radio voice? And they say, yes. And then I put my hand over my ear and I say, this is 1010 wins. All news, all the time. You give us 22 minutes. And, and I let the audience finish. They all yell at the same time in unison. We'll give you the world. And I say, very good. But we've had some cutbacks recently. We're down to 12 minutes. So I can only give you Yonkers and Parsippany. So, <laughs> so that gets a big laugh. And if they're laughing at that, I know I'm in good shape. Uh, and then I go on to my TV weatherman career, which I did for four years where I talk about the fact that my, over the, a four year span where I did the weather on TV, that my accuracy was pretty good. I was 90% right, 10% of the time. So you do the common core math on that. <laughs> That's a couple of the jokes. And then I get, into, right. I get into family humor. I talk about, I used to talk about the LIRR when it was uh, running on or close to schedule and, and things like that. So it's, it's a lot of uh, personal stuff as well, but I have had just a ball doing stand-up comedy. This, at least the serious part of this, career started in 2017 and um, I can't wait to get back to it. Yeah, I'm sure we can't wait to get back to anything that we have been accustomed to doing on a regular basis. For you, for several years, uh, it's been Long Island Ducks Atlantic League baseball in the summertime and the season would be about a month and a half old by now, right? That's right. It would start late April, very early May. And uh, I, at this point, I, I was the last couple of years doing about 15 to 20 games a year when the ducks were created in the year 2000 i mean i was doing about 100 games i'd go on some road trips to places like newark or bridgewater new jersey for the somerset patriots and across to connecticut to the bridgeport bluefish uh some of those teams no longer exist but um i was doing a lot of games back then but you know that's been you know curtailed over the years but i still keep my hand in uh you know the ducks founder uh frank bolton and i remain very good friends and uh, when I was co-hosting the morning show at Walk Radio on Long Island, we put all of our strength as the number one station on the island behind the premise of bringing professional baseball to Long Island. We strongly supported Frank Bolton's uh, intention to bring his Albany Colony AA Yankees to Suffolk County. The Mets blocked that, claiming territorial rights within right. 50 miles of Shea at the time. And Frank, being the entrepreneur and the visionary, said, all right, you're going to block me? Fine. I'm going to divest myself of the Albany Colony Yankees. I'm going to start my own league, which is what he did. And the Atlantic League was born in 1998. The Ducks were created in the year 2000. And uh, what he said to me was, listen, I want to thank you for everything you did to help bring baseball here. What do you want to do? You can be the on-field promotional host. You can be the PA announcer. You can do anything you want. And I said, without missing a beat, play-by-play -play radio period. That's all I've ever wanted to do. And I've been doing it ever since. 
All right. So the question begs, why play-by-play? Well, I, I think it started, not to go into a, a two-hour story or whatever, but I asked my parents for a tape recorder as a birthday gift uh, during the summer of 1968. And that was when I was going into sixth grade. And that tape recorder stayed with me Throughout sixth grade, I would do interviews. I formed my own little radio station with my initials, WDTW, which uh, I think is a familiar story for a lot of people in radio. They made up their own radio station with a tape recorder. And then when I made it to Elmont Junior Senior High School, grade seven through 12 in one building, which by the way is a horrible thing to do to a 12-year-old dork like me, (laughs) to be walking down the hall alongside 26-year-old guys that can't graduate. Anyway, I took that tape recorder into the stands and started doing basketball play-by-play in eighth grade. I did that from eighth through 12th grades, and it served a lot of purposes. I fell in love with play-by-play. I was always a sports fanatic. And the jocks liked hearing themselves uh, in terms of play-by-play, so they stopped picking on me. So it served a lot of purposes. Who was the guy that you wanted to be when you grew up in terms of uh, play-by-play broadcasters? That is a great question because I've heard you answer it for yourself. For me, it depends on the sport. Uh, when it comes to, I mean, everybody loved Marv, you know, Marv Albert for the Rangers and Knicks. I mean, he was the voice. Uh, ironically, I was a big Spencer Ross fan as well, and it's still a thrill that I'm friends with him now when I listen to him growing up. Uh, but as, uh, as far as baseball play-by-play and football as well, I always loved and will always think Lindsey Nelson was the best I've ever heard. Um, no frills. They, you know, he didn't use a lot of humor, but he was so steady. Uh, loved his voice. Loved those wild jackets as well. But, you know, the triumvirate of Lindsay, Bob Murphy, and Ralph Connor was terrific for Mets broadcasts. And uh, Lindsay did Notre Dame football. He, he was on CBS and did football as well, play-by-play. I just thought he was just fabulous and uh, fell in love with him. And uh, some of the other people I loved growing up, I, I didn't think there was anybody, with all due respect to Doc Emmerich, and to others who do great play-by-play for hockey, including my buddy, Chris King. Uh, I think Dan Kelly was the best. I, I go that far back. The late Dan Kelly did St. Louis Blues hockey on KMOX for many years, and he was the voice of hockey when CBS had it in terms of their TV contract because he did a simulcast, and he did play-by-play in such a way that you couldn't tell if it was radio or TV. Right. Uh, for, for basketball, uh, I was a big Bob Wolf fan. He did Knicks broadcasts on TV. And uh, I think people also forget, if you if – you, Fast forward a bit. People forget how good Bob Costas was in doing basketball play-by-play. He did the ABA with the team in St. Louis. He was, uh, he did, you know, uh, NBC did uh, play-by-play for the NBA Finals as well. And Costas, of course, just so, so great at uh, baseball. And I met Bob last year when he was inducted into the Suffolk Sports Hall of Fame, which I MC every year. I MC the uh, induction ceremonies dating back to 1990. And Bob finally said yes. And he was inducted, the native of Comac, and uh, he's fabulous too. But growing up, it was if there was one name that came to mind as to who I wanted to be, especially for baseball, it was Lindsey Nelson. It's funny that you bring him up with the gaudy jackets and the uh, very steady, um, I wouldn't say humorless, but it was not a part of his repertoire necessarily. And we fast forward to David Weiss, who does not dress gaudily, but uh, does tend to inject some humor into his play-by-play calls. And before we move on, and I know you've got some clips lined up for us, do you have the kazoo at your disposal? Oh, I'd have to go get it. Wait a minute, I have it somewhere. Oh, my God. Where is it? It's not sitting right there with you? No, it's not here. 
I'll, uh, oh, I'll get it. Hold possible? on. Hey, kill a second. Well, yeah, okay, I'll get it. Hold on. I'll hum the Jeopardy theme. I won't hum the Jeopardy. Oh, I got theme. it. Okay. It's in my closet. I got it. You for real had to get up to get it? I actually had to get up. I got it. Got it. There you go. Thank you. There it is. That means a lot. I'm shocked that you didn't have it at arm's length. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm a little surprised. I'm disappointed. I forgot. I'm sorry. Now, the team started in 2000, so this is the 20th anniversary season, uh, 21st season in existence if we get to play. Right. And uh, when did you start with the duck calls? Uh, the duck calls almost immediately. I, I took the duck calls out. I would, uh, whether it was calling a home run or calling a duck victory at the end, I would say, I would always finish the game the same way. Ducks win. <coughs> Ducks win. <coughs> Ducks win. <coughs> That's it. Kind the of first a, time uh, I heard that, I think I told you, I thought it was Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> Takia Godola, which I've said on the air, by the way, and had to yeah. explain it. So, uh, but yeah, that started right away. I think, uh, and the, the home run calls started getting wackier. You know this, baseball is more of a narration. It's a play-by-play only in small segments. You're filling time between the action. So it's a place where you can tell stories, where you can use humor, where you can bounce off whoever you're broadcasting with. More of a narration. That's, uh, I remember Lindsey Nelson saying that, and it's absolutely right. And with hockey and basketball, the action is so fluid. Football, a little less so. You're waiting for the snap of the ball. But with baseball, a lot of downtime. And you've got to be able to uh, have a little bit of a gift of gab, which I, I happen to love. You, know, I, you have to have a good memory. You have to be able to reach back, maybe connect the dots with what you're seeing, with what's happened years earlier, that type of thing. So that's why baseball is just so enjoyable to do. Well, long before we were colleagues on 1010 Wins, I knew of you as the morning guy on walk and obviously the voice of the Ducks. Do you have one specific Ducks call that stands out above all the others? Well, if you want me to share a couple of them, uh, this Absolutely. One, okay, I, uh, thank you. Uh, that's a nice setup. Um, I got very friendly with a Long Island Duck who signed with the team in 2001, native of Valley Stream. I grew up in Valley Stream. He went to Hofstra for four years. Uh, I think he always knew he wasn't going to make it to the majors. That was his dream. But he was so thrilled to play with the Ducks from 2001 through 2003. His name was Tommy Caputo. And Tommy and I got to be very good friends. And on August 23rd, 2003, the Ducks and Newark Bears at a sold-out ballpark in Central Islip. We're scoreless going to the bottom of the ninth. Tommy comes up with a runner on. It's 0-0, and this happened. The pass swung on, rip, deep right field. That one is back to the wall. It is gone! There you go. <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite home run calls. Not the wackiest, but he meant so much to me. He meant so much to the Ducks. And that was the, he told me that was the only time he hit a walk-off homer in his life. How about that? Yeah. And, uh, and he was a local guy that everybody just loved and rooted for and, that was back in 2003, the year before the Ducks would win their first championship in uh, 2004. So that home run made a lot, meant a lot to me in the early days. And now if you want to fast forward. Please do. 
to, let's say, okay, this is uh, 2011, uh, just to point out um, that I will slip in pop culture references in some of my home run calls. In 2011, I, I used this pop culture reference for a home run that dealt with a reality show of some note. Here we go. 2-2 two, two pitch on the way. From Thurman to John Rodriguez, and he smacks it deep right field. Going back is Chris Walker. He looks up, and that one soars from the South Shore to the Jersey Shore. Get crazy, get wild, the party, get loud. If you want to have fun, hit a home run. If you want to have fun, hit a home run. John Rodriguez. The fireworks go off. The Ducks have done it at one, and that's the situation. Snooky! There you go. That's a Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of ridiculous. Oh, uh, that was outstanding. All right. That was uh, tremendous. And then I've got this one for you that goes back to 2016. This is my favorite call of all time. L long time, Long Island Duck, Dan Lyons, shortstop, not a home run hitter. Chris King, my broadcast partner for so many years, knew that I had something up my sleeve for a Dan Lyons home run. So we made a deal that if he was doing play-by-play -play and I was doing color, the time that Dan hit one out, Chris would say gone and then back up and let me take over. That's what happened here. The date, July 29th, 2016. Wackiest home run call I've ever done. Here we go. Lions launches it deep to left. Lamonta back at the track. Gone. Lions and homers and ribbies, oh my. Lions and homers and rippies, oh my. We're up to run the bases. Then Lions just hit a home run. He hit the ball right over the wall. Then Lions just hit a home run. If ever there was a Long Island Duck who brought us some luck, it's Danny the Duck. Because, 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 because. Danny is a wonderful duck. We're up to run the bases. Then Lions just hit a home run. Danny clicks his spikes three times and says, there's no place like home plate. There's no place like home plate. Toto, I don't think that ball's in such life with anymore. Dan Lyons, home run. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that home run call, I, when I play it for people, I, I make mention of the fact that that home run call took so long to complete, the next two batters came up and made out before I was done. That's funny. Um, when did you start on 10-10 wins? Please remind me. Fall of 2005. Started as a writer. Uh, but then uh, within a month or two, I was uh, put on the air. So it's, uh, it's coming up on 15 years okay. at 1010 Wins. And uh, new Ben Maverick, news director, going back uh, quite, a, quite a ways. And I could tell you, and I mean this, that I never take being on the air at 1010 Wins for granted. I grew up listening to 1010 Wins. I mean, how many, everybody knows about it. And growing up in North Valley Stream, although I was born in Brooklyn, lived in Queens for a while, but basically North Valley Stream, Western Nassau, to be on the radio in New York City means everything. So I never take it for granted, and I always get a little thrill while I'm on the air at wins. Yeah, you and me both. And I still pinch myself every time I crack the microphone. Um, by the way, your John Rodriguez, I'm pretty sure, is the one who would, uh, back in 2006, as a member of the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, win a World Series ring at the expense of the Mets. I think you're absolutely right. That's the yeah. same John Rodriguez. That's right. Yeah. I think he went, he went 0 for 4. I'm looking at the stats here on baseball reference. He was 0 for 4 in that National League Championship Series. But, uh, I'm sure a highlight for him was my Jersey Shore home run call. <laughs> and what year was that call? 2011. 2011. I'm trying to look it up here. Independent. 
Now you hum the theme. Maybe it wasn't the same guy. No, maybe it probably was somebody else. Interesting. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, you are tremendous. And the reason I asked about your started wins is because I'm fairly certain that before we were colleagues, I had played at least one of your home run calls. It was not the one that you just played for us, the uh, the Dan Lyons call, but uh, something similar. And uh, so I thank you for the material because oh. it's tremendous. And you know, what what struck me not only was, of course, your phenomenal um, sense of humor and and sticking with the theme there, but that Kinger laid out and let you just entirely hog the stage. I, I think that's the best part of the call. When Chris and I listen to this back, I mean, we're cracking up about the fact that Chris, and I do a good Chris King imitation, all you have to do is, yeah! you know, he takes the word gone and he shatters windshields with it, but he was so calm and he just said gone and he just sits back. He just, you know, just lean back in his chair and let me take it over, which was so nice of him too, because Danny did not hit a lot of home runs as a duck. I knew I wouldn't have another shot at it. So that was a, that was a, a real thrill in 2016. And, and truthfully, I mean, I try to work humor into everything I do with the play-by-play to try to make it as interesting as possible, especially on nights when there's not a whole lot to talk about. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to play this for you. I was killing time on May 24th, 2013 anniversary of the Islanders first Stanley Cup in uh, 1980 of course but this was May 24th 2013 it was a very cold night I was working with my broadcast partner the director of media relations for the Ducks Michael Pollack and I decided to do a it is so cold that routine this occurred during the top of an inning here we go and by the way here at Pet Page Ballpark can we mention it is cold Michael how cold is it? It is so cold, Quacker Jack could be seen wearing a down jacket. It is so cold, four members of the grounds crew allowed themselves to be rolled up in the tarp to warm up. It is so cold, I went to the press box bathroom and put my entire body under the hot air hand blower. It is so cold, I saw someone at the concession here at the ballpark order some smoking owls pulled pork and shoved it down his pants. It is cold here tonight. Back to you. So I, the point is, <laughs> I went nuts with it so cold. It was May 24th. And then about, I don't know, 15 minutes later, Michael Pollack hands me a little note and he says, the front office is asking you a favor, cut it out, because they did not want me to continually mention on the radio how cold it was, which might prevent some fans who were thinking of coming to the ballpark to turn around and go home because it was so cold. So I got a little too truthful there, but it, it's just another example of what I try to do, you know, for better or for worse, to try to inject a little humor and make it a little more interesting. We got to work in your weather casting skills and your comedy (laughs) and play by play. That's right. Absolutely right. True. That's phenomenal. By the way, uh, we'll save ourselves the uh, angry tweets and emails. It is the same John Rodriguez. Okay, there you go. I have confirmed. Thank you, Wikipedia. And nicely done by you because I would not have remembered it was the same John Rodriguez. I, you know, it is a fairly common name, but not necessarily in baseball. So I wanted to make sure that we, pardon the horrible pun, covered all of our bases. Uh, Let's talk about 2020 and the Ducks, because the Atlantic League season obviously is on hold. We found out just hours ago that the Frontier League season will not be played as originally scheduled. That is the league now that the New York Boulders are in having uh, merged the Can-Am League with the Frontier League after their very successful all-star game against each other 
last year. So we have been hearing rumors, sir, and I don't know what you know. I know what I don't know. But we have been hearing rumors that teams in both the Atlantic and Frontier Leagues might be in discussions about playing some sort of hybrid schedule with some local rivals. So that would involve potentially the Boulders, the New Jersey Jackals, the Sussex Miners from the former Can-Am League, and of course the Ducks and the Somerset Patriots. What do you think? What do you hear? I haven't heard uh, nearly as much as you've heard, so I'm not quite up to date on it. The last I heard was that the Ducks, again, with some other teams in and out of the Atlantic League, were going to put together some kind of truncated schedule, maybe of 70 games, which I think is ambitious, but hopefully that would come to pass if they get it done quickly. Uh, that wouldn't involve a lot of travel. As you well know, and this is common knowledge, the Sugarland Skeeters basically uh, divorced themselves, at least temporarily, from the Atlantic League to form their own four-team league that would play at their ballpark down in Sugarland, Texas, which is just outside of Houston. Uh, and Roger Clemens and his son, Kobe, are going to be managing two of these teams. So they're going to do their own thing down in Texas, which leaves the Atlantic League to fend for itself. I'd heard the Ducks were, were in discussions with, yes, the Patriots, the High Point Rockers, and the Carolinas, and uh, a couple of others. But it's it's nice to know that maybe uh, some teams from other leagues, including the Boulders, might be involved too, because I would think they would try to limit the travel as much as possible. But I would love to see it come to pass. But again, when you look at the calendar, they'd have to get this done pretty soon, wouldn't they? Yeah, you would think. I mean, Major League Baseball has a plan in place to play 60 games starting at the end of July. That would cover August and September and then go into however um, – complex a playoff system they might devise I think they're going with the regular 10 team postseason that we've had the past few years but who knows obviously the coronavirus uh, situation is going to dictate what really happens and we found out that uh, Charlie Blackman from the Rockies has tested positive he's the first big name and probably uh, won't be the last but um, I wanted to ask you as a Ducks broadcaster and longtime fan um, there is a potential if the Ducks were to play the Boulders that you would be renewing pleasantries with your former manager and our current manager in uh, Kevin Baez. Yes, Kevin Baez, who uh, for quite a while lived about a mile from me on the South shore of Suffolk County. And uh, Kevin is just the best. I know you know him well. So do I. Could not be more media friendly. I not only covered Kevin as a manager, but as a Ducks player. Of course, the former New York Met was also a Ducks shortstop. He played with the Ducks uh, 2004 championship team and brought all that major league experience with him, but would love to see him again. We still connect every so often in terms of texting and uh, you know on Facebook and here and there, but I do miss seeing Kevin, which for a while I saw him every day. If I didn't see him at the ballpark, I'd see him at the bagel store down the street because we live so close to each other. And uh, just a wonderful guy. Great manager, too. I think he always combined the best elements of being a player's manager and being a discipline-oriented guy when he needed to. But he commanded respect, but in a an understated way, and one of the most articulate guys you're ever going to meet. Yeah, and the one year that we had together, very steady, very cooperative. I mean, that's the first thing that you think of is, you know, because I, I think it helps that he has the professional experience and dealt with you know, media on a regular basis. And it's not necessarily that he had media skills training. I'm not sure that he needed it anyway. But, you know, as a New Yorker, you sort of understand going in what you're going to be dealing with, even 
in an independent league baseball situation as he had for so many years with the Ducks and then coming to the Boulders. And, you know, he was just welcoming as could be from day one, come into the office, put your feet up, hang out. Let's talk about this, that, and the other thing. You know, we're watching games on TV before he goes and manages his own. We're rehashing what happened the night before, what, you know, what he's thinking about uh, the game or games to come. And it was always, you know, there was never any sense of having to pull teeth with him. And, I, and I'm, I've gotten the impression um, from Chris King and from you that you guys had a very similar um, experience with him over the years. Yeah, not only that, but I know Kinger on your show pointed out, and it's very accurate, that Kevin Baez one of the most unusual managers you'll ever talk to because you could argue with him. Literally, Chris and I would be sitting with him saying, well, why did you bump there? What was that about? Whatever. And you look at us and smile and explain it. And he would say, well, what do you think we should have done? And he was open to discussion. How many yep. managers would do that without being defensive? Yep. Never knew another guy like that. Only one other, I think, did that. And again, being associated with the Long Island Ducks since day one. It was what, the 2008, 2009, the one year that Gary Carter, the late Gary Carter, managed the Long Island Ducks. He was like that as well. He, he would love to hear other points of view. Of course, with Gary, uh, being Mr. Loquacious, uh, you could ask him a question and wait eight minutes for him to finish the answer. He would give you the longest answers possible. But outside of that, Kevin Baez, wonderful in terms of sitting and actually discussing strategy. He was as interested in hearing your point of view as we were hearing his point of view. Very, very true. Yeah. And it's, I, I, I've missed, you know, we'd be probably a month. We would have started, I believe the middle of May. So we'd be maybe six weeks in now. And it's, it, it really is incredible how much you miss your regular routine, obviously not having to go into the city uh, five days a week to do my morning thing, or um, I still go in on the odd Sunday for the supplemental stuff on FAN, but uh, it's just so strange that you don't have a, a regular routine. And part of that routine for me, the last few years has been, you know, Boulders baseball and not only Boulders baseball, but also covering Yankees and Mets and, right. you know, everything else that we would have had going on since March, you know, the end of the NBA season and the playoffs with the Nets. Um, there would have been hockey playoffs, certainly for um, the Rangers and maybe the Islanders if things uh, hadn't been derailed. And it sounds like the way uh, the NHL is going to restart the end of July, that maybe the Islanders will be in the mix for a playoff spot. But of course, who knows what's going to happen, you know, yeah. what, what they say about the best laid plans, right? Well, we'll see. Uh, it's going to be un unusual to see Major League Baseball, if and when it does restart, uh, barring more positive tests and uh, other things that could derail it, to see it with stands empty. Uh, you and I both know that when it comes to minor league baseball, boulders, the Ducks, independent leagues, minor leagues, you don't have the big TV contracts. You can't do it without fans. That's where the money comes in, the concessions and getting fans in the stands. So if they're limiting it to, let's say, 50% capacity and every other row and people wearing masks, whatever, whatever it takes is how they'll do it. But you need some fans to keep minor league baseball going. And I think, you know, if we keep trending around here over the next few weeks, the way we've been trending, which is to the positive side of things, that it wouldn't necessarily be beyond comprehension that we have 25 to 50% attendance caps, right? Right. Yep. And that probably 
would work if you spread people out and they take certain protocols and people, you know, have common sense and care about others as much as they care about themselves, we can get it done. Well, I'm crossing my fingers and toes and hoping that I get to see you and the Ducks and the Boulders and we all get together for a big post-game picnic in maybe in KB's office. <laughs> Socially distanced, of course. So maybe of course. not in the office. We'll do it on the concourse. Can't wait. That sounds good. Count me in. All right. What's the first thing David Weiss does when life gets back to quote unquote normal? That's a really good question. Uh, I would say uh, putting anything that I want to do aside, since I've had some physical problems the last year, I would love to play golf again. I could do it now if I was physically able. I can't with some uh, lower spine and nerve issues. But if I recovered, then I would, I would definitely play golf. But it would definitely be to take uh, Kimmy to a library, inside a library, to return to our inside the library tours rather than just picking up books in the parking lot. So that's one of the first things I'll do. Also miss going to Chinese restaurants and mm. sitting there, not takeout. I'm talking about going in. I right. mean, best, one of the best Chinese restaurants in Manhattan is Shun Li. There are two Shun Li's, uh, you know, one near Central Park, another one elsewhere. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to get back into the city to enjoy Chinese food. Um, and that's, uh, you know, those are some of the things that I, I truly miss along with seeing my friends like you and returning to 1010 wins and you know, seeing people face to face. All right. We call this play by play. It's sort of a double entendre. Part of the things that we talk about playing are board games, Mr. Weiss. Take us back in the way back machine. Favorite board game as a kid. Favorite board game. It was a toss up between life. If you remember life the board game, it had a spinning wheel mm -hmm. and it, there was another one called, and not that many people remember it, called Careers. And I'm, I'm not sure why I love that game, but I guess, uh, you know, you, you picked a career. And I don't even remember how it works. I just remembered I loved that game. Careers. Was it a knockoff of life? Uh, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. I got to look it up because I just love playing Careers. It was a board game, though. And life was just uh, terrific. Loved life. And, and uh, you know, I mean, of course, Monopoly and some of the other ones and Battleship and all those others. But... Yeah, I think life was number one. That's the one that my brother and I played incessantly. And what was the one that you wanted to make sure that your daughters learned how to play? Oh, Candyland. Yeah, that's from way back. That's yeah, one of the first board games they learned. And we made sure that they would know what board games were, not just go to video games. So at least I was lucky enough that I had two daughters. As they grew, they knew board games were fun. They didn't have to do everything on a video screen or a handheld type of thing you know they they like playing board games but candyland was what they play yeah well you've made me hungry talking about chinese food and candyland so <laughs> i'm going to get some lunch now okay, um good. do me a favor before we sign off if you don't mind can we get one last uh, duck call please one last duck call ducks win <coughs> ducks win <coughs> ducks win shivarim <coughs> trua Even throw in Cantor Weiss at the service. Oh, you are the best. See, you can add that to your resume, too. <laughs> Fantastic, my friend. Listen, uh, continued good health to you and the family. And uh, I really do hope I get to see you and not on Zoom uh, in the not-too-distant future. Mark, can't wait to hear you uh, back on 1010 Wins, obviously, to see you there in person. You are the best. Uh, I just told you, I'm a longtime fan, one of my best friends in this business and a nutty business that has all kinds of personalities. Uh, this was just fantastic joining you here today. Thanks so much for it. And we have a lunch with Spencer Ross coming up when all this is over too. 
Yeah, he's paying his money. treat. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm Mark Renee. That's David Weiss. Hey, David, thank you so much for stopping to play by play with me. You got it.